You're listening to Case 63, a Spotify audio series. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. November 29th, 2012. It's been almost two days since I heard Peter's message. Time doesn't seem real, though. Too much has happened. Too much has happened to me. It's almost winter and the temperature's in the 90s. Time is warped. I hear his voice in my head. I know he's somewhere believing in me, hoping I'll succeed, even though he'll never know what happens to me. The lives of others, the happiness of others in exchange for ours. I know I'll never see him again. And that certainty doesn't break me down. It somehow calms me, gives me strength. Oliver and I haven't been able to find Marie Baker. He's gone through every record of New York residents and there's nothing. There are two in their 50s and one dead. Why can't we find any trace of her? Maybe she doesn't exist on this timeline. Maybe there's no Pegasus on this timeline. But Oliver told me that's impossible. Why would they send me to a universe where I can't make a difference? But I keep thinking that if we do find her, if we find 17-year-old Marie Baker, there's only one way to make sure she doesn't get on that plane a decade from now. What I'm about to say is awful, but an incorrect diagnosis can ruin a person's life. Being labeled mentally ill can close a lot of doors for a teenager, for someone with her whole life ahead of her. I have to do something unforgivable. I have to sow a terrible idea. I have to help Marie and her family believe that she's not well that she needs psychiatric treatment and confinement. Once a person falls into that spiral, a person probably never comes out. One life in exchange for millions. It's necessary. Necessary and horrible. No one will thank me. No one will hate me. And I'll have to live with it. Yes. Emily? It's Dr. Caldwell? Uh, yes? Uh, I didn't need to talk to you. May I come up? <sighs> Doctor? Hi, may I come in? Just for a moment, we tried calling you and your husband, but no one answered. We've been busy. Come in. 
Are you alone? Yes. Where's your husband? Uh, he, he went out. Something wrong? Emily, if you're in danger, I can help you. Excuse me? That man is not your husband. Believe me, I can help you. Ah, uh, you're wrong, Oliver You're I... being manipulated. I see this every day at the hospital. Well, you're wrong. You, you... I, I checked your medical records. Every shred of paper that man gave us was a forgery. I looked him up. Oliver Collins has never been married. He's not an engineer. He's, he's a college dropout with an unhealthy obsession with science fiction message boards. I mean, look at this place. The dishes in the sink, the piles of paper. Please, you don't belong here. That man is putting things into your head. Did you call the police? No, no, I wanted to... I thought it was better to come by myself. For what? I'm fine, doctor. You think you're fine. It's, it's Stockholm Syndrome. You feel you, you owe something to your kidnapper. I appreciate you coming by, but I really Emily don't... Emily Sachs is not even your real name. He named you. He gave you an identity. He's got you trapped. Did he put this time travel thing in your head? Is that what you want to know? Toxic relationships endanger people. These people manipulate others through their vulnerabilities. And you're pretty sure I'm a vulnerable woman. Who's Oliver Collins? A friend. No, he's not your friend. This, this is a game to him. You're wrong. The relationship I have with Oliver is one based entirely on mutual trust. What will happen in another month, on December 21st, when your friend starts talking about how the Mayan calendar says it's time for the world to end? You don't know anything about Oliver what, and, and What's going to happen when he tells you he's received messages from the future, messages that say you have to die? Are you interested in the subject of time travel? Is that why you wanted to see me? What, what do you mean? If you really have proof that Oliver lied, why didn't you call the police? Your concern for my safety is very touching, but falsifying another person's medical records is more than enough to get someone arrested. Why are you here, Dr. Caldwell? What do you want from me? Tell me why you're really here. I need, please, can, can you just trust me? I'm going against every code of ethics I've sworn to uphold, but I couldn't stop thinking about you. After you left, I just, I couldn't get you out of my head, so I started looking into your case, and when I saw you were discharged based on false records, I, I got worried. And just to be clear, I do still think it's dangerous for you to be around that man. I'm very grateful for your concern, but everything has a sensible explanation. Who are you? Your patient. Your recovered patient. That's, that's not what I mean. I'm nobody, doctor. We shouldn't even be talking. Haven't you ever felt like the world is just this nonstop whirlwind of people and relationships? People are born, they die, they come together, they drift apart, they go from here to there just trying to live, I guess. And you're doing it too, but the entire time you just feel unmoored, disconnected from everyone. And then... All of a sudden, someone comes along. Someone unexpected, someone you're not supposed to meet, and that feeling of emptiness just vanishes. And you can feel this, this, I don't even know what to call it. It's like your life is getting tangled up with the other persons and somehow, suddenly, the world starts to make sense. I felt that with you. At first, I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't want to understand. The first time we met, you called me Peter. And even though that isn't my name, it made me realize how fleeting and interchangeable things like names actually are. How fragile. And somehow I did feel like a Peter. When you were first brought in from the airport while you were still drifting in and out of consciousness, I was with you. 
And sometimes you'd open your eyes and ask me if it was over, if we'd made it. And you'd look at me like I was a part of your life. And I've never felt that with anyone. Not even with my wife, who I loved every single day we got to spend together, did I ever feel so close to someone as I did that day when you looked at me. Okay, you come here and tell me that. What for? I'm sorry, I, I know I'm probably being ridiculous. You are, you are. What am I supposed to do with what you're saying? What am I supposed to be? A key. Is that what you feel I am? I can't explain in any way, certainly not in scientific terms. I know you. Let's put aside whether you're lying to me or not. Let's just forget about truths and lies and words altogether for a moment. I know you. That's a fact, and it's important. I know it is. And that certainty is like a key. I don't know what it opens, but I know it's real. You're confused, doctor. I've been doing so well. For years before studying medicine, I wanted to be a musician. And when you write music, sometimes you just know what's coming in the following movement before you've written any of it down. It's as if the composition already existed before you sat down to write it. It's, it's a bad example, but something like that is happening to me with you. But I'm not a musical score. I am, or I was, your patient. And it's not fair for you to come around and threaten the stability I've managed to create and to make me doubt my reality. And if you talk to me again or show up at my door, I'll report you for harassment, for serious medical malpractice and abusing the authority and trust I gave you as my doctor. Now, if you wouldn't mind. Wait, wait, please, I'm sorry. I crossed the line here. My behavior is completely inappropriate. You're right, I'm very sorry. In all my years as a doctor, I've, I've, I've never, I never... <sighs> this week is the anniversary of my wife's death. I feel so vulnerable. I know it's no excuse, but... What makes you think I'm a key? I dreamt about you. What? A strange dream. <laughs> what happened in it? We were in an old city. I remember rooftops, birds at sunset. We were in a hotel and we were so in love. It was so vivid. You were my wife, but at the same time you weren't. Probably none of this makes any sense. Before she was ill, my wife and I traveled to Rome. She was a photographer. I think my mind played a bad joke on me. You shouldn't spend so much time worrying about a dream doctor. A medical professional of your caliber knows that. <sighs> my address and personal number is on this card. I know you don't want to see me again, but if you're in danger or anything, I see patients in my home office, it wouldn't be unusual. You can call whenever you want, you can knock on my door whenever you need to. My daughter's already used to unexpected visits. You have a daughter? Yes, a teenager. She's struggling a bit right now, but... Like all teenage girls. Oh, no, no, trust me, there's no one quite like Marie. Marie? Yeah, Marie. Marie, what was your wife's maiden name? What? Your wife's last name, what was your wife's last name? Baker. Marie actually wants to change her last name to Baker when she's 18 as a tribute to her. What's the matter? 
You look very pale. Are you crying? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forget everything I've said. I've been, I've, I've been completely unprofessional. No, no, no. I'm, um, it's okay. I have something that I want you to hear. Something that was given to me. Okay. Vincent, I need you to trust me now. Can you? I think so. Okay. Please, just listen. Just listen and trust me. Tell me, where did you, that piece, I wrote that piece for my wife, it was our song, I wrote it years ago. I know, I know, and you gave it to me in the future. Case 63, created and written by Julio Rojas. Adapted by Mara Velez Melendez. Directed by Mimi O'Donnell. Starring Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaac. Executive produced by Julianne Moore, Oscar Isaac, and Mimi O'Donnell. Produced by Alexandra K. Brown and Katie Pastor. Sound supervision by Jonathan Roberts. Score by Moat. 